This is section 7.3 of AMSCO, Conducting World War I. British poet Wilfred Owen's Dulcet et Decorum Est is one of the most famous war poems of the 20th century. Most of the poem describes the horrors of modern warfare, and the final lines of the excerpt, translated as, It is sweet uh, and noble to die for one's country, he labels the whole lot. No previous war had involved as many nations from different parts of the world, and none had killed as many soldiers and civilians. At the outbreak of World War I, Britain was the only major power going into the war without universal conscription, which is compulsory enlistment into the armed forces. Realizing that patriotism could be contagious, the British army began to recruit palace battalions, made up of men who already knew each other. The first of these was made up of a group of stockbrokers from the city of London. Other palace battalions were recruited in cities throughout Britain, such as Liverpool and Manchester. Because the men who volunteered were friends or associates, these battalions were especially close-knit. By the end of the war, one out of uh, four British men had served in the military. Changes in warfare. Many modern films, such as Saving Private Ryan, set during World War II, and Platoon, set during the Vietnam War, show that war is not a glorious experience. But most Europeans saw warfare differently during the first few months of World War I. Everybody said it will be over by Christmas, a British soldier named Bill Hayne recalled. The war began in June of 1914. Hundreds of thousands of teenage boys enthusiastically enlisted in the military, dreaming of heroism. Wartime assemblies sounded more like high school pep rallies, in which speakers naively predicted swift and easy victories in battles against supposedly inferior enemies. Leaders of some of the socialist parties were among the few Europeans who spoke out against the war. Even socialists were divided on the issue, however, as many supported the war efforts of their nation. At the same time, few people actually understood how brutal 20th century warfare could be. As the war dragged on, the world became aware of horrific effects of new advances in war technology and tactics, such as trench warfare, poison gas, machine guns, and submarines, airplanes, and tanks. The defining experience for most soldiers in this war was the time during it spent in the trenches, long ditches dug in the ground with the excavated earth banked in front order in order to defend against enemy fire. Trench warfare was not a glorious way to fight a war. Combatant nations dug hundreds of miles of trenches facing one another, and the soldiers slept, ate, and fought in the trenches for months at a time. Trenches were often cold, muddy, and rat-infested. Many soldiers died from diseases caused by unhygienic conditions. Eric Maria Romarek's 1929 model, a novel, All Quiet on the Western Front, and the 1930 film based on, uh, on it gave a vivid sense of a soldier's life in the trenches. Remark was a young German soldier during World War I. Poison gas. Poison gas was one of the most insidious weapons of new style of warfare. Chlorine, phosphogene, and mustard gas were used during World War I. Soldiers were soon equipped with gas masks, which were effective when used immediately. Although fatalities were limited, the effects of a gas attack could be extremely painful and long-lasting. Many veterans suffered permanent damage to their lungs. After the war, international treaties outlawed the use of poison gas. 
Developed in the late 1800s, machine guns could fire more than 500 rounds of ammunition per minute, increasing the deadly impact of warfare. The weapon made it difficult for either side in a battle to gain new territory. Although primitive submarines had been briefly used in the American Civil War, they played a much larger part in World War I, wreaking havoc on the shipping lanes of the Atlantic Ocean. Airplanes in 1914 were still light, small, and unable to carry many weapons. Therefore, they did not present much of a threat to troops, vehicles, or ships. At first, airplanes were used mainly to carry on reconnaissance, observation of many of enemy lines. By 1915, they were being fitted for machine guns and aerial combat began. Individual air aces were engaged would engage in dogfights with enemy aircraft. The British developed tanks to protect troops as they moved across vast areas of difficult terrain, even over trenches, with the ability to fire at the enemy. They were developed by the Royal Navy and originally were referred to as land ships. They got their name from the fact that during their development they were disguised as water tanks. With both the Central Powers and the Allies using brutal weapons and tactics, Neither side could defeat each other. The result was a bloody four-year stalemate in which the death toll and suffering rose even higher. The United States enters the war. Economic ties between the United States and the Allies were one underlying reason for the United States' entry into the war in 1917. In addition, many Americans believed that the Allied nations were more democratic than the Central Powers were. A third reason was growing resentment against the Germans, especially for U-boat submarine attacks on ships carrying civilians, including Americans. On May 17, 1915, a German submarine attacked and sank the Lusitania, an ocean liner carrying more than 100,000 United States citizens among its passengers. The event was the final push of the uh, United States entering the war, and um, another thing was the interception of the Zimmerman telegram in January of 1917. In this document, the uh, German government offered to help Mexico reclaim territory it had lost to the United States in 1848 if Mexico allied itself with Germany in the war. Total War Combatant nations intensified the conflict in World War I by committing all their resources to the war effort. This strategy, known as total war, meant that a nation's domestic population, in addition to its military, was committed to winning the war. Thus, millions of civilians, including women, worked in factories producing war materials. Workers imported from China helped make up for labor shortages in Britain, France, and Russia. Entire economies were centered on winning the war. Governments set up planning um, boards that set production quotas, price and wage controls, and the rationing of food and other supplies. They censored the media and imprisoned many who spoke out against the war effort. Propaganda was another component of total war. Propaganda um, is communication meant to influence the attitudes and opinions of a community around a particular subject by spreading inaccurate or slanted information. Governments invested heavily in army and navy recruitment campaigns and other wartime propaganda. Posters and articles in newspapers and magazines often depicted the enemy 
crudely or misinterpreted or misrepresented the facts of the war completely. For example, American and British propaganda demonized the German army, exaggerating reports of atrocities against civilians. Likewise, German propaganda demonized the Americans and the British. The use of highly emotional and often misleading information fomented hatred and bitterness across borders, among civilians as well as soldiers. Other propaganda was more subtle. For example, the United States government sent artists to the front lines in Europe to illustrate scenes of battle and glorify Allied soldiers. The Global War World War I was fought in Europe, Asia, Africa, and the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans. Not since the Seven Years' War of the late 18th century had there been such a global war. Most of the major competitors in World War I ruled colonies in Asia, Africa, the Americas, and the Pacific. Competition for these colonies was one major reason for the war. Imperialism extended the boundaries of the war, and major battles were fought in North Africa and the Middle East. Japan entered the war on the side of the Allies so that it could take control of German colonies in the Pacific, the Marshall Islands, the Mariana Islands, Palau, and the Carolines. Japan also occupied Qingdao, a German-held port in China. The British seized most of Germany's colonies in Africa. However, the Germans held on to German East Africa, later called Tanzania. The British also defended the Suez Canal from an attack by the Ottoman Empire. Colonial troops reinforced their home country's forces in several battles. About half a million Australians and New Zealanders enlisted to fight the war. These troops formed a special corps known as ANZAC and fought in a bloody year-long campaign at Gallipoli, a peninsula in northwestern Turkey that resulted in heavy Allied losses with uh, little to show for the effort. Canadian troops fought in several European battles. Britain drafted Africans and Indians to combat rules in Europe. Some 90,000 Gurkha soldiers from Nepal fought in the Indian Army. Approximately 1.3 million soldiers served in the Indian Army during the war in Europe and Southwest Asia. The French Army included 450,000 Africans, mostly from West Africa and Algeria, as well as another 110,000 Europeans from Northern Africa. Some 44,000 Indochinese uh, soldiers fought in the French Army, with nearly 50,000 more working in support roles behind the lines. Some colonial troops fought in hopes that their efforts would gain them recognition from their colonizers, who often promised the colonies self-rule after the war ended. Arabs, long under the rule of Turkish-led Ottoman Empire, fought with the Allies because the British promised self-rule after the war if they were victorious. Arab troops attacked Ottoman forts in Arabia and present-day Israel and helped the British take over the cities of Baghdad, Damascus, and Jerusalem. Women and War In the early 20th century, most countries did not allow women to vote or to be soldiers. However, the sheer numbers of men enlisting meant that women's lives changed significantly. They began replacing those men on farms and in factories. Thousands of women served on the front lines as nurses, ambulance drivers, and switchboard operators. Most countries forbade women from serving in combat, but Russia, Serbia, Romania, and Bulgaria allowed it. In 1917, the Russian government created an all-female battalion, which is a military unit, 
as propaganda to shame men into continuing to fight. The commander, Maria Bokhariva, led the first Russian women's battalion of death. The Paris Peace Conference. The war itself greatly damaged Europe. However, the peace conference held in its wake would have even more profound effects on the entire world. The leaders of the victorious countries at the Paris Peace Conference became known as the Big Four. Woodrow Wilson, who was for the United States, David Lloyd George for Great Britain, Jorms, uh, George of Klimenkau um, of France, and Vittorio Orlando of Italy. The Italians walked out of the peace conference in rage because Italy would not get Dalmatia and other territories that they had been promised for joining allies, including the city of Fiume and on the Adriatic Sea. Russia was not invited to the conference because it had undergone a communist revolution. Russia's Bolshevik leaders refused to honor Russia's financial debts to the Allies, who in turn refused to recognize the Bolshevik government. The Big Four had different versions and visions on how to settle the peace. President Wilson's pledge to establish peace without victory reflected his belief that no country should be severely punished or greatly rewarded. Francis Clemenceau rejected the view. He believed that France, out of all the allies represented at the conference, had suffered the most and thus deserved special considerations to be protected from Germany. He also argued that the victorious powers should seek some sort of revenge on the central powers for starting the war. Clemenceau complained that Wilson was an unrealistic idealist who was naive about European relations, even though Wilson had a PhD in history. David Lloyd George tended to support uh, Clemenceau's ideas, but he often acted as an intermediary between the two different points of view. 14 points. Despite Clemenceau's protests, Wilson pushed for his principles, which he outlined in a document called the 14 points. He particularly wanted to create a League of Nations, an organization in which all the nations of the world would convene to discuss conflicts openly as a way to avoid the simmering tensions that caused World War I. Although the other nations agreed to establish the League, the United States Senate voted against joining it and against ratifying the Treaty of Versailles, the 1919 peace treaty with Germany. Wilson also believed that the conquering peoples under the defeated Central Powers deserved the, the right to self-determination, to decide their own political futures. Instead of the colonies and territories of the Central Powers being snatched up by the Allies, Conquered people should have the right to decide their own political fate. A number of new nations were created or resurrected in Europe as the Austro-Hungarian and Ottoman empires were broken up. Finland, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Czechoslovakia, and Yugoslavia. The last of these three were home to Slavic peoples. The Treaty of Versailles. Because Wilson failed to convince France and Britain not to punish Germany, the Treaty of Versailles created Germany treated Germany harshly. Most notably, Germany had to pay billions of dollars in reparations for damage caused by the war, giving up all of its colonies and restricting the size of its armed forces. Germans took the entire blame for the war. Signing the treaty was humiliating for German leaders. Moreover, the terms of the treaty caused tremendous hardship to the nation during the decade following World War I. The German economy suffered from sky-high inflation, partly due to the reparations the country were forced to pay. 
the German people were bitter in the intermediate and immediate aftermath of the peace conference. Resentment toward the Weimar Republic, which had agreed to the terms of the Treaty of Versailles, set the stage for an extreme and militaristic political party known as the Nazis to take power barely 15 years later. And that concludes section 7.3 of the ESCO. Thank you.